Are you ready to get into the Word of God? Amen. I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online today. And those of you in the sanctuary, if you'll uh, just open your Bibles with me today, and those also visiting with us online, to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. This has to deal with uh, what's going to happen in the last days. So I think it's very much in line with what we're experiencing and dealing with today. Amen. Uh, we started a message series last week about that I titled God's Wrestlers, and I'm continuing that, as I said I would last week. And uh, I'm subtitling this, this uh, God's Wrestlers, The Famous Forty. The Famous Forty. And it's a historical account of something that actually happened in the days of Rome. And I want to share that story with you uh, here in just a little bit. But before we do that, I've got several scriptures I want to go through real quick to kind of lay this out for you. And beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, we find this. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now let me just see by a raise of hands. How many in the room today want to live godly in Christ Jesus? Let me just see your hands. Amen. Okay. So I want you to look up at the screen, and I want you to see what it is that you're signing up for. Because when we choose to live godly, you can mark it. You can count on it. You can bank on it that you will be persecuted for it. Now, Timothy is not the only one that said this. Actually, it was Paul in his letter to Timothy saying this. Jesus said this. Uh, and we're going to look at that scripture later on in the message. But I want you to keep this scripture right here. This is the foundation of what we're going to look at today, and it actually ties well into the story that I'm going to tell you, that I'm about to tell you. And so what I'm going to share with you today is a very, it's a true story uh, of some of the most courageous soldiers ever in the history of the early church. And I pray that this will inspire every Christian that listens to this message to stand firm in your faith. Um, if you have served in the military or you're close to someone who, who has, you will readily identify with the concept of a chain of command. Everybody know what I'm talking about? A chain of command. And a chain of command is orders are obeyed to, from the top down. And uh, I want you to recall the faith that Jesus talked about of a certain Roman centurion. A Roman centurion was a man who was in, in command of a hundred men. A centurion over one hundred century of men. And this man had a servant who was sick. Do you remember? And in the book of Luke chapter 7, I want us to look at verses 6 through 10. He sends word to Jesus and he asks him to heal this dying servant 
And Jesus agrees to go. And the Bible says here in verse 6 that Jesus started on his way with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends and they said to Jesus, Lord, don't trouble yourself any further for I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too, here it is, am a man under authority. Now notice this, he didn't say I'm a man in authority, even though he was. What he's doing is he's showing the chain of command. He said, I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to this slave or servant, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him. Do you know, I read in Scripture, there's only twice, there's only two places that I read where Jesus marveled, and this is one of them. When he heard this, he marveled at him. And he turned and he said to the multitude that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant healed. They found him in good health and whole. Amen. You see, there's a chain of command. One of the things that Jesus told us to do In fact, he summed up all of God's Word, and that is to love one another. A new command I give you, to love one another, just like you've been loved. Now, in the days in which we live, and the Scripture I started with, talking about all who will live godly will be persecuted, that's when the rubber meets the road How are you going to walk in love? Because you see, when we're under persecution, when we're under trial, when we're under a temptation to retaliate, we prefer that. The flesh re- prefers that. Let me rephrase. Right? I mean, the flesh wants to respond when you are attacked or harmed. And you look at the Bible, and it contains a great deal of history, and primarily from the perspective of Jews and Christians. Most universities will offer a ancient history course, which study the vast amounts of records from the perspective of uh, civilizations like Egypt, uh, Rome, Babylon, etc., perhaps most relevant to the New Testament that we're reading out of today and the first century Christians is the history of the Roman Empire in the first century. And so this week I've done a little bit of that. I actually came across a a really good movie. I think you find it on Pure Flix, uh, probably Prime. But it's called Paul, the Apostle of Christ. Uh, Jim Caviezel is in it, the guy who played Jesus in The Great pa- the Passion of the Christ. You remember him? Played Jesus. And he plays Luke as the one uh, that wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts and how he 
went to Paul to get the stories of Paul's life while he was imprisoned in Rome. And uh, I really encourage you to, to take a look at that if you can find it. But I just want you to understand that in first century Rome, actually uh, the last of the B.C., you know, before Jesus, there was a Roman Caesar in command, and his name was Caesar Augustus. And he was the first emperor of Rome, and he is credited with bringing peace and stability to the empire prior to Jesus' birth. And King Herod, we all know this story because we just got through with the, reading it in Christmas stories, right? Under Augustus, King Herod is in kind of control there in Israel, and he orders the killing of all the male babies under two years old when he learns about the promised king, right? And the Magi come, and we, we all know that, and we've, we've looked at that. But following the reign of Augustus, there were some other Caesars. And there was, uh, right after Augustus, a man by the name of Tiberius. And then after Tiberius, there was Caligula. And then after Caligula, there was Claudius. And then following Claudius, there was a tyrant called Nero. And he reigned during the early church years of 54 through 68 A.D. And this was during some of the, the, the most explosive growth that the church was experiencing. I mean, the church was growing and growing and growing. And Paul, was he was going all over. He's had missionary journeys here and there and going on and on. But Nero's reign, if you read about it in Roman history, you will find that there were it's it's associated with with uh, extremes and i'm talking about extremes of tyranny of extravagance and of debauchery just evil i mean if you read about nero he actually has his own mother agrippina who tries to influence his, his decision making he has her killed he has his own mother killed only five years into his reign. So it kind of shows you, it gives you a picture of what Nero was like. And most Roman sources overwhelmingly uh, give a negative assessment of this man's personality and his tyranny. And uh, he reportedly had caused the great fire of Rome. If you, if you study, there was, a, a huge, there was this great fire that happened in Rome. But most historians and even those of his day ultimately believed that he started it. And here's, here was the reason. He wanted to clear a path for his own opulent palace complex. But here's what he did. He, after that fire, he seized Christians as scapegoats for the fire. And I just want to warn you, if you do watch that movie I just told you about, be prepared to see some of the things I mentioned, and they are graphic. Because what he would do is he accused these Christians of setting that fire, so what he would do is have them covered in oil, set up into a uh, some way, somehow, light them on fire to where they would literally 
light up his parks and his streets. That's how he lit the streets of Rome, was by burning Christians alive. And you say, well, pastor, why would I want to see that? Well, I understand. But I want you to understand that the persecution that our, our forefathers went through was horrendous. Let's go back to that first verse, if you'll bring that back up for us, Craig. Second Timothy. What does it say? All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 10, straight from the words of our Lord. He said in verse 22, And you will be hated by all on account of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Say that. It is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. So what that's saying is there's a possibility of not enduring. And if people don't know that it's been preached, it's been written, it's even been proclaimed by our own Lord that those who follow after God will be persecuted. If we're not aware of that, 2020, 2021, 2022 will catch you by surprise. After Nero increases in power, he commissions, and here's the story, an elite band of soldiers, and they're known as the Emperor's 40 or the Emperor's 40 wrestlers. Isn't that interesting? We're talking about God's wrestlers. And they're handpicked. These men are handpicked from the most skillful and heroic fighting men in the land, and they're recruited from the athletes out of the Roman amphitheater. They're very well known for their prowess in battle and, and relentless devotion to their emperor. When going into battle, they had a chant. And this is what they said. We, the wrestlers, wrestling for thee, O emperor, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Well, Nero had a campaign to conquer Gaul, and he sent the Roman army into this massive region which encompasses modern-day France and, and Luxembourg and Belgium and most of Switzerland, parts of northern Italy, the Netherlands and Germany. And through their many battles, there were no soldiers that proved braver or more loyal than these famous 40 wrestlers. None. They were led by the respected centurion Vespasian. And yet the greatest blow to this legendary band of wrestlers was about to be dealt. It would not come from without. It would come from on high, from Nero himself. 
news had reached Nero that the Christian faith had come among the wrestlers and that some of them had accepted Christ as their Lord. They had become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Nero's Rome, you got to understand, to be a Christian meant death, even to those who served the emperor with the greatest honor. So here's what Nero did. He dispatches a decree to Vespasian, and he says, if there be any among the soldiers who cling to the faith of the Christians, they must die. Well, this decree was received in the dead of winter, and I already told you where they were. The Alps are around them. And it comes to them while this group of men are camped on the shore of a frozen lake. And the winter is brutal, but the hardships that these men had endured together had only served to unite them more closely. So it was with much regret that Vespasian read the emperor's message. He called the soldiers together and he asked, Are there any... Among you who cling to the faith of the Christians as they're all at attention. And he said, if so, let him step forward. And just like that, instantly, 40 wrestlers stepped forward. Every single one. Vespasian paused, his heart literally stricken with dread. He hadn't expected so many. He said, the decree has come from your emperor. And he said that any of you who cling to the faith of the Christians must die. So for the sake of your country, for your comrades, for your loved ones, renounce this false faith. Not one of the 40 move, not wanting to hasten into a decision, he decided to be as lenient as possible. And he said, until sundown, I shall await your answer, Vespasian said. Well, sundown came, and again, his men are held at attention, and he asked the question again, are there any among you who cling to the faith of the Christians? If so, let them step forward. Again, all 40 wrestlers step forward and stand at attention. Vespasian begins to then plead with them long and earnestly, earnestly without prevailing upon one single man to deny the Lord. So finally, he says, the decree of the emperor must be obeyed and I am not willing that your blood be upon your comrades. So what I am going to do is I order you to march out onto the lake of ice, and I will leave you there to the mercy of the elements. Fires, however, will be burning right here on the shore, and I will be waiting to welcome any who are willing to renounce your faith with open arms. Well, the 40 wrestlers were directly stripped, and then without a word, they turned, they wheeled, and falling into columns of four, they marched out 
toward the lake of ice. And as they marched, they broke into a chorus with the old chant of battle, but with a change in the wording. Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. All through the long hours of the night, Vespasian stands by his campfire and waits, and all through the night comes back to him fainter and fainter the wrestler's song as it neared morning. One within the unit begins to move. Overcome by extreme exposure, he crawls quietly toward the fire. And in the extremity of his suffering, he renounces the Lord. Yet faintly, but clearly, from out of the darkness came the song. 39 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Vespasian looks at the man by the fire and then back out into the darkness whence came the song of faith. Once again he looked back and then back out. And I don't know, perhaps when he looks back out, he saw the greater light shining there in the darkness. And off comes his helmet. Down went his shield. And off comes his clothes. And he sprang out to the ice, crying. Forty wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. Hear the words of our Lord in Matthew 10. He says in verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very head, hairs of your head are all numbered. Let me ask you a question. How many in the room know how many hairs you have on your head? Well, those of you that are bald know. But outside of that, we don't know that, but God does. He says this. Verse 31, Therefore do not fear, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who shall confess me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. 
But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. You say, well, now wait, I thought he was the Prince of Peace. He is, but his message will bring division. Look around. It already does. Now look at this. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life shall lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Can you say thank you, Jesus? There are three things that I'm supposed to tell you today as one of God's wrestlers. Number one is live unoffendable. Don't live offended. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10. In the New King James it says, and then many, say that, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Notice the progression. First they're offended, then they betray, then they hate. Please don't be one of those many who are offended. But yet, church, listen to me. Everywhere you look today, someone's offended. Someone is offended by something, or someone is offended by someone. You say, then what do I do? You pray. Say it out loud. I pray. Jesus said to pray for those who despitefully use you. Despitefully use you. There's spite in their using of you. What are you supposed to do? Pray. Church, listen to me. Offense is a trap of the devil. The word offense, it's literally scandalon. It's a, and what a scandalon is, it's like if you took a trap and you put the bait, you put the bait on the scandal. You put that, that's what that is. That's the bait. That's where the animal will go and take the bait. That's what the devil tries to do is he tries to bait you. If you live offended, you will wrestle with anger. If you live offended, you will walk in anger. If you live in anger and that emotion, it will impede your Christian wrestling abilities. You won't wrestle well. James, the brother of Jesus, said that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God, James 1.20. Your anger, my anger, in and of itself, it will never accomplish God's righteousness, ever. Live unoffendable. Say it out loud. Number two, live soberly. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter says this, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks or prowls about 
like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, the word sober there is the word that means to be free from illusion. It refers to having presence of mind. It means to, that you have clear judgment. It, it enables you to be someone who is self-controlled. How many of you know that's a fruit of the Spirit? God's wrestlers, I told you about the high school wrestler, they're self-controlled. There's discipline. They're, they're self-disciplined. They're self-controlled. They won't go out and, and, and pig out on, you know, McDonald's fries and cheeseburgers and Mountain Dews. They're going to eat right. They're going to self-control. They're going to, they're going to, they, they don't want their body to have all that garbage because it, all it is is, I mean, anybody that we're, I'll tell you this, those, those winter Olympians that are fixing to do their business, they're not pumping into their body stuff that's going to slow them down. God's wrestlers are self-controlled. Say it, self-controlled. Not others controlled. Too many people today are being controlled by others. Can I hear an amen? See, too many are being conformed to what their peers think. It really doesn't matter what your peers think. They're going to keep thinking it anyway. How many of you know, how many of you ever know somebody and you meet them and 20 years later, they're still stuck in their thoughts? How many of you ever gone to a high school reunion and they're still back in, you know, 12th grade. It doesn't matter what your peers think or what the current fad is or what the current belief is or the current narrative that is being spoken. See, to be sober means to have one's wits about them, which is the opposite of being irrational. You see, to be vigilant, that next verse, let's keep that uh, chapter verse up there if we would. It says, be sober, be vigilant, say vigilant. That word vigilant comes from the word vigil. Now, as I say that, I know that you can see that. What is a vigil? You keep vigil. Well, what it means is you, it's a watch that you keep during normal sleeping hours. And it's the act of observing. It is the act of uh, surveillance, so to speak. So it literally means stay awake, be responsible, surveil the situation, be watchful. So we're sober and we're watchful. Why? It tells us why. Because your adversary, say my adversary, the devil, say it, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, and church, he wants to tear your head off. The devil is not out to show you a good time. The devil is not, that's what he's going to appear like, but that's not what he's going to ultimately do. The devil's going to give you candy and then stab you in the back once he's got you on the run. Once he gets you into the door, he's going to just lay that hammer down on you. He's your adversary. In the wrestling match, he's your adversary. He's the one that's going to try to put his hands on you and slam you down to that mat and pin you there. Remember last week we talked about who our adversary is, and it's not people. It's not flesh and blood. Your adversary today is not CNN. 
Your adversary today is not a human. I don't even watch CNN. I don't even know why that came out, but it did. It's not a group. It's not a place. It's not the devil can influence people. It's the influence on them, possibly. But it's the devil you're fighting, not the human. And we get this mixed up so much. We get this mixed up so much. In fact, if you watch that show that I told you about, Paul, you will find that there are people, even within their community, that want to rise up and kill the Romans. Do to them what they did to them. And Aquila has to ultimately say, I will tell you this right now. Anybody that takes up arms against the Romans are no longer welcome in this community. That is not what we're about. We're here to reach them. Church, didn't the disciples say that to Jesus? Do you remember Jesus had a guy in his group called Simon? And I'm not talking about Simon Peter. I'm talking about Simon the Zealot. Do you know what a zealot was? In Israel's day, in that time and hour, they, they would carry knives and try to kill Romans. They wanted to overthrow Rome. He had one of those in his group. Uh, God got a hold of a murderous Saul who actually held everybody's coats when Stephen is being stoned in the early days. And he turns him into to Paul, the guy whose movie I'm telling you to watch. And he actually gets done to him what he did to other people. Are you with me today? It's the devil and it is his demons that, that, that are our enemies. And church, I want to tell you, that the devil's real. And demons are real, and they exist today in the world, and yes, even in the United States of America. The devil, do you know what he also is? He's an accuser. He is an accuser. He brings formal charges against you to God, just like he did to Job. He comes to God and says, yeah, but what about? Yeah, but look at this. Oh, yeah, they've given their heart to you, but watch this. And he, he accuses you before God day and night, just like he did with Peter. He is an adversary that prosecutes you and litigates against you, and he aims at your very soul. Think about this. If you were taken to court by somebody else, they will have a lawyer to try to prosecute you. And how many times have we seen a show or we've seen a situation in real life where somebody's had lies told about them in testimony at court. It happens all the time. There's accusers all over the world. And the devil, his business is to seek someone who he can devour. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Now listen to this. He's like a roaring lion to those of you who know Jesus and are walking with him and have the power of God in you because that's all he can do is roar at you. And when he opens his mouth, all he can do is gum you to death, which that wouldn't happen. I mean, he has no power. He can't sink his teeth in you if you're walking with Jesus. But I want to tell you something. If you're not, he will tear your head off. He is an ancient foe, and he is well-skilled. I mean, he is skilled. He's taken down. He's taken down some giants before. He took down the man 
that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, David. He murdered and he committed adultery. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The devil, if you, if you are not sober and you are not vigilant, he can take you down, even as a believer in Jesus. And so I just want you to understand today, if you're walking with him, the devil can't take you out. But if you are not being vigilant and you're not being sober, watch out. That's why he says, watch, be vigilant, have a vigil, because his business is to seek someone to devour. His whole design is to devour and to destroy souls, and to that end, he is unwearied. He is restless in his malicious endeavors, just like a roaring lion who's ready and uh, hungry and ready to tear apart his prey. So this infers that it is our duty to be ready to do warfare against him and to resist him steadfast in the face, faith. The Bible says, after having done all, stand. After you put on all of your armor, stand. Don't back away. He comes roaring at you, stand. You got your shield of faith. You got your sword of the spirit. You got your helmet of salvation. You got your breastplate of righteousness. You got your belt of truth. You got your gospel shoes of peace. And what the devil will do is if he know he can't get you that way, he will try to raise bitter persecutions against you by those in the majority and the leadership in the world. Can I get an amen? You see, this strong trial and temptation is going on even now as I speak. And it must be resisted by being well-grounded, by being resolute, and being steadfast in the faith. Forgive me, I could get a little bit excited here this morning. Because I know the devil is after the people of God. But he ain't going to get these people in the name of Jesus. He is not welcome at those doors. He is not welcome on this street. He is not welcome in this parking lot. He's not welcome in my home. He's not welcome at Celebration Church. He's not welcome in Phoenix, Arizona. Number one, live unoffendable. Number two, Stay sober. Be alert. And number three, and I'm going to deal with this even in more depth. I'm going to have a whole series on this. Don't compromise. Today I need to say this. Stay on the narrow path. Please. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. And in verse 14, he said, For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. You know, I think part of the reason is because of persecution. Don't compromise the truth for a lie. God has told us what sin is. God himself has named what sin is. Don't fall for the lies that the enemy is telling today that certain ways of living are okay today. That man has somehow evolved civilly to the point that certain behaviors that were sin in antiquity are no longer sinful today. And that message is all around you. 
Stand firm in the faith that has been established for you by Jesus Christ himself and for all of those who have gone on before us. And church, I've done this. I've gone back to this. This book was made back in 1999. It's called Jesus Freaks. It was made by DC Talk and the Voice of the Martyrs. Another good book to read is John Fox's Book of Martyrs. This book right here, if you will go through this, you will find men and women all throughout history that died for their faith, literally died for their faith. I'm going to share with you one woman out of that book in just a second. But I read in this because there are just too many today that say they're a follower of Christ. But they don't want any hardships. I get that. I don't, I'm not out to get a bunch of hardships. But it's been promised. And so I close with this following true account of a woman named Anne Askew, or Askew. And she was martyred for her faith because she would not compromise. Many of you are familiar with King Henry VIII, a famous, famous king in England. And in 1543, King Henry passed an act that prevented all women and also men below the rank of gentlemen from reading the Bible. However, This did not prevent Anne from sharing her views in public and preaching because she had memorized Scripture. And you see, during that time was the time where uh, there was the Protestant movement had happened, stating that we're justified by faith. Martin Luther put his, about 30 years ago, had nailed up his 95 thesis on the, the door of a church in Wittenberg and said, I disagree with these things by the Catholic Church and what they're doing. We have to go to a man to get our sins forgiven. We go straight to God because Jesus is our high priest. The the bread and the wine that we receive at communion do not become the body of Jesus or the blood of Jesus. They are, it's consecrated in that it represents his blood and his body, but it doesn't become it. So transubstantiation is the, the theology they're talking about. So he has so many things that he's talking about. So you got this battle going on with the Roman Catholics and the Protestant church. And so they're saying, don't read the Bible. But yet she is preaching her views and sharing about God's word. And during the final year of the reign of King Henry VIII, Anne is arrested. And she's taken to the Tower of London where she is tortured by being placed on a rack, and this is in the book, where her joints and her bones are pulled out of place. This is done twice, literally to the point where she faints. And as I was reading this, she is the only woman in recorded history to have been tortured in the Tower of London. On July the 16th of 1546, she's carried to the stake in a chair because she can't walk after the torture she endured. So they take chains to bind her body firmly to the stake at the ankles and the knees and the waist and the chest and the neck. And prior to her death, the prisoners are offered one last chance 
at pardon. And there is a bishop mounted at a pulpit, and he begins to preach. And as he preach, as he preaches a message, Anne listens attentively throughout his discourse. And they said that when he spoke anything that she considered to be the truth out of God's word, she would audibly express agreement. Amen. But when he said anything contrary to what Scripture said, she exclaimed, There he misseth, and speaketh without the book. What am I saying? She didn't compromise. She didn't invalidate what they were preaching that was truth, but where they were off, she said they miss it. At the last moment, she's offered the king's pardon if she would simply recant. And this is what she said in response. I quote, she said, I did not come here to deny my Lord and Master. And as they lit her on fire, she died praying for her murderers in the midst of the flames. She was 25 years old. And as Paul the Apostle, I close with this, and another martyr for Christ said, in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? Will anything separate us from the love of God? Will tribulation, for some people it will, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness out on a frozen lake, or peril, or sword? It can, but it didn't have to. Because that's what he said in, 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 in ending of it. He said this in Romans eight thirty seven. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Because he endured the cross. He despised the shame. But he stood there and would not compromise. And he took his cross and he died on it for you and me. So the least we can do is take our cross and live for Him today. Can you say an amen to that? How many of you want to be God's wrestlers? You want to be, you want to be a wrestler that wins. I, I mean, this, 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 this blows me away. This story blows me away that these 40 men, that was their commander. Nero was their leader. And they exchanged him for Jesus. Stand to your feet. Today, Lord, we stand because we have been forgiven. We stand because we know the enemy is taking a stand against your church. And in this day and in this hour, Lord, we declare that we will not move. We will not live offended. We will be aware. We will be sober. Lord Jesus, and we will not compromise. 
And I pray, Lord Jesus, today that you cause that, that focus inside us to get literally pinpointed upon you. Spirit of God, let all of the other things and the distractions fall to the wayside. How many of you today in this room and those of you watching by, by internet would say today, I want to step up and be counted as one of God's wrestlers that will not be offended, that will stay awake, and that will not compromise. Let me just see your hands today all over this congregation. If I could see you on the internet, I'd think your hands are there too. Let's just keep them raised. Let's just make this declaration. Father God, from this day forward, I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I'm going to keep them focused on you, pinpointed on you like a laser. Help me not be dissuaded in this that you've called me to. Help me recognize every enemy that tries to bring me down. May I see that it's not humans, it's not flesh and blood, but it is the devil and his demons. Empower me today with a fresh anointing, with fresh fire, and a fresh focus to overcome the enemy. Help me constantly to hear your voice. And Lord, when I'm in prayer, let me make breakthroughs. Let there be breakthroughs in my prayer time. And Lord Jesus, save this world in Jesus' name. Can you say an amen? Thank you, God. Let's give him praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, as I said, I want to continue on don't compromise next week, and I pray you have an excellent week. Overcome the enemy in every realm. In Jesus' name, God bless you.